it's Mo Egger. The college basketball season is heating up, and there's no better place to watch every game than Long Neck Sports Grill. There are 4K TVs all over the place at each Long Neck's location, and at Long Neck's, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And I say this often, if you haven't tried Long Neck's Wings, what are you waiting for? No matter who your team is, you'll be able to watch them at Long Neck's. Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Long Neck Sports Grill. This college basketball season, stay late, come often. And ship begins. Joe Burrow and his big bad Bengals kick off their season against Deshaun Watson and the Browns. Everything's going to be be a battle for Buckeye supremacy and divisional domination. Caught by Chase, heads for the end zone, touchdown! Dan Hoard and Dave Lapham have the call from Cleveland. Both feet down, <laughs> touchdown! Coverage begins Sunday morning at 9. Incredible! On ESPN 1530, the official home of the Bengals. That's us. Good afternoon. I'm Mo Egger. This is ESPN 1530. Thank you so much for listening. I, uh, I welcome you to the uh, Moorline Lager House, downtown Cincinnati. It's Mo's happy hour. We broadcast from here every single Tuesday. Now, we just got done with a, a long weekend, a three-day weekend. I, I made it a four-day weekend. We had the Western and Southern WEBN fireworks. We had the start of college football season. And so m- maybe maybe you're like, ah, oh, you know what? I just, I need, I need a breather. Uh, Take a breather here. Uh, It's gorgeous outside. We've got the $5 happy hour menu. We've got $2 off appetizers between uh, now and six o'clock. If you're coming to the ball game tonight, you know, the Reds, we've cleared Labor Day. They're still in the playoff hunt. They, They are tied for the last wild card spot. They play a good Seattle team tonight. They're still pulling dudes off the street to pitch. Uh, they played tonight at 640. If you're coming down to the ballpark, we're directly across the street from GABP. We're right down the street from uh, Paycor Stadium. So uh, it's a perfect place before or after any Bengals game. We love being here. So come on out and see us uh, between now and 6 o'clock. And if you can't make it this week, come on out next week as uh, we celebrate what is hopefully a Bengals victory over the uh, Cleveland Browns. We are loaded today. We start, though, the first hour with our buddy Paul Danner Jr. from The Athletic covering the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. He is also on uh, Twitter, at Paul Danner Jr., host of Hear That Podcast Growling as well, which, has it dropped? It is. It's out. It's out? We got it. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. It's there for anybody to take in. Mm. Right now, you can listen to it as quickly as you want to, but not too quickly. Because got, you got to stay till 6 o'clock here with you. Yeah. yeah. Have and it, have it in your free. queue at 6, and yeah. then you're yeah. good to go. Then you're good to go. Got yeah. you covered. You're on it. I am on it today, yes. which I don't think I brought a lot to the table, but uh, nonetheless. I liked it. Here's what I'm excited about. We have football on Sunday, which we're going to talk about the Bengals versus the Cleveland Browns. But what I like is we have already extinguished a possible Bengals narrative thanks to you. What did I do? If the Bengals win the Super Bowl, oh. nobody is going to be able I to say, so. nobody believed in us. Yeah. <laughs> nobody said we could do it. Yeah. We proved everybody wrong because in your season preview, yeah. you have picked the Bengals to hoist the Lombardi trophy. I don't know why I did that. I mean, here's the thing. Because you can't you, – you, what's the point of saying they make the Super Bowl and lose? Right. Well, here's the thing is, is I should – to me, I'd rather change the entire – it's more – more a template problem than it is a uh, actual right. problem. I don't have a problem necessarily predicting them if you're forcing me to pick somebody. Uh, I think they're as good a candidate uh, as anybody and maybe even underrated amongst the top candidates. Um, that said, 
I don't think it's fair to predict a Super Bowl winner. I think you predict who's going to be amongst the last four standing. Agree. Who's going to be even the last eight standing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, to me, the elite. Everything that happens beyond that is, hey, flip the coin, whatever you want to say. It's a bounce. It's a call. It's a throw. These are the best teams the league has to offer. <coughs> the difference is so minor. Um, you never know what's going to happen, and nobody knows that better than Bengals fans the last two years, mm-hmm. how small those margins are when you reach reaching that level is a true achievement. And so for that, I would say I, I would have preferred to just predict them to make it again to that level for three years in a row and that to be a unbelievable achievement for this franchise. Yeah. That said, considering how close they have been, considering the continuity they do have, considering the quarterback and how built they do seem to be uh, for, for this moment. Um, I, I feel like they're as good a pick as any and certainly as well positioned as they've ever been. I've never really even considered picking them to win a Super Bowl in mm-hmm. the 14 years. <clears throat> I've been covering them and doing such things um, for many different reasons, obviously, but because it's never felt really legitimate last year I considered it mm-hmm. but not for that long because you felt there was still a lot of questions out there. Sure. You know, the narrative this time last year was are they a fluke mm-hmm. regression analysis uh turnovers and injury luck and all that stuff last year they erased that mm-hmm. for me they took all that stuff and proved that their staff can handle winning in different ways through different obstacles that a season throws them they can win through injuries they can find a more impressive sustainable way to build victories not necessarily hey people don't know who jamar chase and joe burrow are together and they're going to bomb it over top of you all and a more proof of concept on lou anarumo and the defense all of that stuff says to me this team is capable of handling it and getting back there so when you put that against how close they've been and how hyper focused they will be if they were to actually reach that moment again, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to write their name down. I, I don't love predicting a team to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right? So I, I frame it in two different ways. Number one, could I make the case that this team could win it? I think you can. Yeah. I, I think even if you believe, God, I think Kansas City's better or I think Buffalo's better or, you know, Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, they're better, you could still make the case for the Bengals to be included among the elite and if they're included among the elite, then you've got a shot. So I, I do it that way. I also do it from a gambling perspective. Bengals are plus 1,000 to win the whole thing. So there's three different ways. It's if I make this wager, I'm either burning my money on fire. In most years, doing that with the Bengals would be burning your money on fire. Then there are years where you're like, eh, value play. Yeah. I'll do this because it's value. Don't think it'll happen. But eh, you know what? If it does, value play. I'm not burning my money on fire. And then there's... This is a reasonably good investment. And with the Bengals, I say objectively, plus 1,000 with that team, with their history, this is a reasonably good investment. That's good enough for me. Then you have to skim over. I warn you to skip over the top of my story if you made that bet. because mm-hmm. I did. I didn't skim over it, but I get it. I mean, there's life at the top is different. And life of premium expectations is just caked in failure. I mean, the Chiefs are just an anomaly to everything right now, you Mm -hmm. know, playing these 
every championship game at home and what they and Patrick Mahomes have been. But if you look at the last 14 teams to be 12 to 1 or better, mm-hmm. not name the Chiefs, they have zero Super Bowl appearances, mm-hmm. zero conference championship game appearances, mm-hmm. and five times they haven't even made the playoffs. It's just the, the league is so parody-centric. Right. And, I mean, think about it. You asked the question about, how many, about making a case. How many teams in the AFC could you make a realistic case for? A lot. Winning the Super Bowl. A lot. More than will make the playoffs. Yes. I, I can make a, reali- a realistic case. Uh, for eight or nine. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there's that many truly top-of-the-line quarterbacks that have either done it or you can easily project to doing it. Right. To, to being a, uh, the 01 Bengals. Yeah. I think or 21 num- Bengals, excuse I, me. I, I, I've kind of done this exercise in my head. The, the number is nine. Yeah. Jets, Bills, all four AFC North teams, maybe yeah. some more so than others, Chargers, Chiefs, Jags. Yeah. I mean, it's more than half the conference. There, there's, there's no question. Sure. And and a Bengals road to the playoffs <laughs> would have to go through most. You know, certainly the playoffs and the division yeah. have to go through. That's that's the brutal aspect of of survival, uh, of the war of attrition. I do think they're built for that. Um, I I think their depth will show up for them in that way, but it's every year is so different. It's and it's it's just not going to be it's just not going to be that easy. I think because of the way last year at the end mm-hmm. they had such magic going, it felt easy. Every, every I called them inevitable. It yeah. was like every week yeah. it was like, well, how's it going to happen this time? Right. And whether it was by domination or miracle play, you knew it was coming, and it always did. Um, it's it also takes time to get to that spot, but. I I think that they have a good they certainly have a good chance to get there, but they're not alone. That's what makes it fun. No, it, it's what makes it a lot of fun. And what's always interesting about sports is all the different things that pop up during a season that you don't anticipate. To me, all you could do is assemble the best possible roster. And I, I keep framing it like this: these last two years feel like they've been building toward this moment. So when they drafted Joe Burrow, we said. Boy, you've got to win one while he's in his rookie contract. Now, technically, fifth-year option. Oh, and and we are going to talk about Joe Burrow's contract. Don't worry. I'm sure we are. Uh, We're in that window now. So it it, it feels like even if they got their way ahead of schedule in 21, this was kind of the plan all along. Yeah. On draft day, it was build toward 2023. Well, everything they have done, all the good stuff, all the winning, all the roster building, all the contractual decisions, all the drafting, all the hard lessons you have to learn in losing in the Super Bowl and in the AFC Championship game last year has been building toward this moment. Now, that doesn't consider the difficulty of the AFC North, the overall difficulty of the AFC, the tough first-place schedule, the fact that they have had some, some good fortune on the way to winning all those games the last couple of years. But to me, it's just I look at everything that's been building toward this moment. There's nothing to not like. Like, I think this team, maybe aside from Kansas City, has the fewest just gigantic unknowns of anybody in the league or in the, in the AFC. There's a lot of, you know, things that can happen between now and potentially, you know, January or February. But if you could tell me today, you can have Burrow, your three receivers, and those five starting offensive linemen in mm-hmm. January. I'll, I'll take my chances <laughs> no matter what else is happening. Um, because that was it. When you said building towards this year – it is about this was when you were always going to 
pack the most punch into your into your mm-hmm. this current construction because things are going to change dramatically next year. But this was always the one, and and the fact that they've done it with what is now the the fourth highest paid offensive line in football Mm -hmm. with solid to above average players at every position, upgraded depth at that spot, and you still have your receivers. Um, And that's not even talking about on the defense. Just give them – with Burrow, the clean pocket in these receivers, you you take them against anybody. You'll take that against anybody, and that's proven. What has happened – when they haven't been able to win, has been some piece of that has been missing. Right. Usually it's been the line in front of them has been missing. Yeah. Um, if you can just promise that, by the time you reach the end, you probably feel better about the ability to finish. And I know it feels unrequited because you can say, gosh, same thing about last year and the year before that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. Because th- that's all you can do is put yourself in that position and hope that the injury doesn't come at the bad spot, that it's not Kappa, mm-hmm. that, that, the, that you get the call, like if they don't pocket the flag on the, right. you know, to whoever. All of that. But for, the, for what they have now, give them – this line is as good as they've ever had yeah. for Burrow. The part that they, they still got the receivers. The part that this franchise can control – Hey, it's Mo Egger. The college basketball season is heating up, and there's no better place to watch every game than Long Neck Sports Grill. There are 4K TVs all over the place at each Long Neck's location, and at Long Neck's, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And I say this often, if you haven't tried Long Neck's Wings, what are you waiting for? No matter who your team is, you'll be able to watch them at Long Neck's. Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Long Neck Sports Grill. This college basketball season, stay late, come often. They Protect. pass with flying colors. Heck 9. Yeah. That, and, what, and isn't yeah. that what they? Yes. What was said the day mm-hmm. that two, at two inflection points? The day they drafted Burrow, you yeah. better protect him. Mm-hmm. And the day they drafted Chase and over Sewell, mm-hmm. it was, well, you better protect. you you got to find a way to make sure you're protecting Joe Burrow. And it has taken time. It's certainly taken left some bruises on number nine. But they made it here. And uh, you have to feel good where you're at with that. And if you have that, um, just like with Mahomes, because you got a guy on the same level, yeah. you know you've got a chance to win it all just like he does every year. It's 18 minutes after 3 o'clock. Uh, the Bengals play the Browns on Sunday at 1, the game live on ESPN, 1530 with pregame coverage starting at uh, 9 o'clock. Paul Daner Jr. covering the Bengals for theathletic.com. Uh, we'll do the Joe Burrow contract thing in a minute. Are you ready? Oh, yeah, I am, actually. Yeah, because yeah. Not today we have to talk about it. Yeah, well, because I told you, you better be. if we're talking about it today, we better mm-hmm. be talking about it. Yeah, so here we are. All right, here we are. We'll do it next on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. Four minutes time for 3 o'clock. We're at the Amoraline Lager House, downtown Cincinnati, broadcasting until uh, 6 o'clock. If you're coming to the ballpark tonight, come on out and uh, join us. Game starts at 640. You can join us for the happy hour menu, which includes uh, $5 drinks. And uh, get $2 off appetizers as well. Our buddy Paul Danner Jr. from The Athletic is here. All right. Uh, Last week came and went. Cut down day came and went. Uh, The weekend came and went. Labor Day came and went. Joe Burrow practicing came and went. There's no contract. What's up? Well, I think for a while I've been saying, look, (laughs) quit asking me about this. Uh Uh-huh. And and, and if if it's September, Mm -hmm. if we get past Labor Day. Yep. We can start talking about it. Yep. It, it, in a in a what the heck's going on sense. It was mm-hmm. fine to talk about it before this, right? But when people wanted to know when to panic, mm-hmm. I'm not saying panic. Uh, 
But you see the button. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's there. Yeah. The the you know I, I like old movies like Apollo thirteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Earth is getting big in the window. Yeah. And we, and we don't have the reentry plans. One yeah. of my favorite lines for stuff like this. Very well done. I I it feels like that's what it is right now. Mm-hmm. The Earth's getting big in the window. It's yeah. time. Yeah. Um, the sense I get is that things are moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, they should be at this point. Right. I mean, how long did they have to get in, in the right direction? <laughs> um, I, I don't get a, a sense of of panic, but, you know, I think there's a lot of, look, trying to put the finishing touches on this thing and 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 figure out how, how to get it to the finish line. Um, so I, I still <laughs> feel the same. And I'm using the same lines that I've been using. I still would be – I honestly would even be surprised if he's having to dodge extension questions on the podium tomorrow mm-hmm. at noon. Um, that could, Obviously, we're getting closer to it. So that certainly could happen. Yeah. I still would be floored if he doesn't have one by the time he takes the field in Cleveland. Floored. Floored. I'm, same it, verbiage even, you used as last week. It has not changed. I feel the same. You, you don't get to this moment with that guy and get this close and not get it done. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. And, and you talk about unforced error. <laughs> like, you just got to get it done. Right. Okay? What it, whatever it is. You know, we, when it's one thing to say, write the blank check, give him mm-hmm. whatever he wants. Right. Like, there's within reason there. Yeah. Okay? But if you get to the point that you're like, okay, how do we fi- give it to him? Give it to him. Yes. End this. Mm-hmm. Don't leave any second thoughts. Don't set a bad precedent. This guy is the absolute core forever of your team and your locker room. Do not leave a nasty taste in his mouth over a contract negotiation. Mm -hmm. Finish it, okay? So whatever that takes, it has to get done. And maybe that means doing something uncomfortable that you hoped you wouldn't have to do. Okay, (laughs) do it. Because it's more important to finish it now, remove all doubt, and get it done. Um, so that's where it's – I mean, that's where we're at right now at 327 on Tuesday. You know, I think it should be – it's time to finish it. It's, it's time to do whatever you've got to do to get it done. Um, and maybe they will. I mean, right. you know, I, sure. I don't think there's I – still, I still don't think uh, that there's going to be a problem doing it, but they better. If there's a snag, what is the snag? Your best guess. Years. Joe I mean, doesn't want to go as long. Bengals want to go forever. Well, yeah. I mean, this is, you know, when I, I, I wrote the numbers to look for in the borough contract three months ago now. Mm-hmm. Number one, years. That's really the defining thing. That's, that's what people view now as team win mm-hmm. versus player win. They're talking about the cap going up like $80 million in the next three years. Right. You don't want to be going in early on that. Right. You want to be able to continue to get another bite at the apple, and, and, the, and the Bengals as a team are going to want to have you under contract and can say, you're our guy, you have to be here for as long as they possibly can and not have to be renegotiating uh, in a world of $80 million higher on the cap and neither side is in well. a few years. Right. I understand both sides going for sure. it. There's a middle everywhere. Find the <laughs> middle. Find what it is. If, you, if it's a matter of more upfront money or some other thing that you've got to do to, to make it worthwhile, whatever, whatever that is, um, you've got to figure out what it is. But I, I, you know, I don't know that for certain, but that is, you know, 
this type of thing, that's kind of the line of win and loss when you look at it. When teams criticize the Chiefs, mm-hmm. or Patrick Mahomes came yeah. for, for the deal with the Chiefs. It's how could you, you know, you're just, this is the most team-friendly deal ever. Mm-hmm. And you're sapping him of value even though he's going to, you know, he signed up for almost half a billion dollars. Uh, it's because of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, because the, the way the sport is growing, the way the money is just out of control more and more, um, you, you don't want to be sitting stuck in something um, that feels old and you just can't get out of it. Ask the Pac-12 about that. <laughs> they can tell you about being stuck in something they wish they weren't stuck in for too long. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how you feel if you're a quarterback contract when the money grows exponentially all the time. Yeah. Uh, some have speculated, well, the, the Mahomes thing, maybe he and the Chiefs are going to get a new deal done, and Joe is waiting to see what that looks like. I mean, what haven't we speculated about this point? <laughs> get it done. Like, enough. Others maybe. Enough that, other outside influences. Joe is going to want to be the guy that gets the Watson deal, all the guaranteed coin. I don't think – I mean, okay. Right. I mean, I, I feel like that would have been a little bit I, – I, I feel like we would have gotten more of a sense of that being right. the stance that he was having. Mm-hmm. Um, if that was the case, I don't get that sense. Hmm. All right, so Tuesday, today, today, Tuesday, the earth is approaching – what was the line? The earth is getting bigger in the window. They're okay. trying to, they're, they're trying they, to they make need, their they descent. Need the, they yeah. don't have the reentry plan because they haven't figured out how to get them back to earth yet. Right. And all they have is the window. And when they're over going around the moon, it's small. Yeah. It keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And they're wondering, are we just going to crash into the earth or burn off in space? Do you have any idea how they have to get us back here? Right. Go watch Apollo 13 again. I, I will. Can, can, this brings to mind something that happened in my house last night that is totally unrelated to this topic. But I'm going to give it to you anyway. Is that, is that one of your teases? Uh, I was going to do your, it right your, your now, little, actually. Your little I, I'm, yeah, I'm sitting outside. My wife and I, we put our daughter to bed. I'm having a nightcap, enjoying a cigar. All of a sudden, like in the horizon, this thing like rises over the trees, and it looks like a UFO. Okay. I'm not making this up. Ooh, are you about to tell me an alien story? So it looks like a space train. A space train. A space train. I'll, a I'll space show train? Yeah, I'm going to show you. I've never even heard of such a thing. I will show you the video. My wife took. Um, this is great radio. Th- this. So it started as that line. Like There's okay. the still photo. Okay. And we're space sitting outside. Train. And th- like this. Look, look at that. That little like. It looked like a space train. It, it does. So apparently that is a. Cos- li- is it cosmic dust? No, it's a line of satellites. Like it belongs to that Elon Musk guy. SpaceX, Starlifter, something line of satellites. There's a website you can go on, type in where you live, and it'll tell you when you can see this thing. I thought for five minutes, though, before I did this, I thought this was it. Is I mean, Bengals are going to win the Super Bowl this year, and now here come the aliens to kill us. <laughs> this happened over my house last night. I just showed you the video. It's getting a little much. I'm starting to feel like Elon is like... The insider, he's the mole, and he's been working for the aliens the whole time. Look at that. And thing. now he's about to coordinate with them from the house. end. Yeah, that's not good. That scared the hell out of I, me. I don't, I don't like this. I'll, at all. I'll look up the website and tell you these. Well, for your name sake, I hope they win the Super Bowl like, first. Yeah, it was like a, a, a space train flying over the west side of Cincinnati. Things you don't want to see. And I'm like texting people, like, that thing flying over your house? Like, buddy, it's 9 o'clock at night. I'm, I'm watching Clemson Duke. Like, well, I'm <laughs> smoking a cigar. We're about to get abducted. It's uh, 28 <laughs> minutes away from uh, 4 o'clock. Was that a good deviation from the Joe Burrow contract thank, thank questions? Thank God. I'll take anything else at this point. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it'll be a distraction? Because people are going to wonder, like, well, if he doesn't get it done, is it going to be a distraction? I don't think so. I don't either. 
I mean, once the games start, the games start. Right. And if you just say if you say it's over, you make that decision and you and you you put it away until the season's over. Yeah. Period. Um, if you're Burrow. I think some guys let it linger. I don't think he would be the type. I don't think he would. I don't think he'd be the type. All right, it is uh, 27 away from uh, 4 o'clock. We're at the Amore Lion House, downtown Cincinnati, here till uh, 6. Paul Daner, Jr. uh, with The Athletic. There is a piece you have worked on that I want to ask you about that comes out uh, later on this week. And then I got got questions about this year's team that that have nothing to do with Joe Burrow's contract. Good, good. And there's a game Sunday. There is a game on Sunday against the Browns. I think one of the best on the uh, opening weekend slate. Battle of Ohio. Battle of Ohio. It's got spice. It is uh, 27 away from uh, 4 o'clock. You know, Joe, he's not one in Cleveland yet. I've heard that. This is ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. The Bengals, like ESPN 1530, Cincinnati Sports Station. All right, 21 away from uh, 4. This is ESPN 1530 Quickly Sports Headlines in service of Kelsey Chevrolet, home of lifetime powertrain protection and guaranteed credit approval from their family to yours for life, KelseyChev.com. Connor Phillips set to make his big league debut on the mound tonight for the Reds as they host the Seattle Mariners game two of a three-game series after yesterday's series opening Labor Day Reds victory. Uh, Connor this year in 25 games with Chattanooga and Louisville struck out a lot of dudes, 154 Ks in 105 innings, had an ERA of 4.69 at Louisville at the time of his call-up. 6.40 tonight's first pitch. Game is live on 700 WLW. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, college football, Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Florida State, Ohio State, 1 through 5, AP top 25 poll, Kentucky 30th. Pittsburgh 31st, UC at Pitt on Saturday. Scott Satterfield show tonight at 8 o'clock live on ESPN 1530. Paul Tanner Jr. is here from The Athletic. Um, We talked about this team having a lot of known quantities, and they do. What is the biggest question in terms of the roster and the personnel? You know, you're, you're nitpicking if you start talking about things like, did they kind of overlook tight end did they did they get a little uh overconfident mm-hmm. saying yeah put any tight end in here and they can catch 42 <laughs> balls and 450 yards but and it three feels touchdowns. true it, that feels true well, we'll find out right I, and that's not that's not a disparagement to Irv Smith but right. I mean you know it's it, they didn't spend big at the position um it 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 feels nitpicky to talk about Joe Mixon's ability to uh you know produce explosive plays when from week five on last year, he averaged 4.6 yards per carry, and he was the third most efficient running back in terms of mm-hmm. success rate, which, are, which is the, one of the, pretty much the number one stat they look for now in their running game is just keep them on, you know, keep them on schedule. Right. So we, when you take those out of the equation, I, it's, hard, it's hard to find one. Mm-hmm. Um, I still wonder about interior pass rush. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like the defensive line depth. Um, you, I, they have the same pieces that have done a good job of working Luana Rumo's system. I still think you're looking for a little bit more juice, and you hoped. I think you hope that at some point this season you can start getting it from Miles Murphy, and you can maybe count on it a little bit more from Joseph Osai if he can get healthy. Um, Hey, it's Mo Egger. The college basketball season is heating up, and there's no better place to watch every game than Long Neck Sports Grill. There are 4K TVs all over the place at each Long Neck's location, and at Long Neck's, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection 
And I say this often, if you haven't tried Long Necks Wings, what are you waiting for? No matter who your team is, you'll be able to watch them at Long Necks. Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Long Necks Sports Grill. This college basketball season, stay late, come often. But we, we do we know if Zach Carter can be a second wave guy for B.J. Hill? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. If he, if he can be the... You know, the, if they can be the Larry Ogan, Joby, B.J. Hill combo that was really made them both more yeah. successful. Yeah. I, 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 I loved everything I saw from Zach Carter in the offseason, um, but we still, you know, it, you, you, to be a true pass rusher, I don't know if that's there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need D.J. Reader to stay healthy. Yeah. It's such a big part. No one does what he does, and it's easy to pick out any team's best player on the defensive side of the ball and say – but what if you lose that guy? Yeah, it changes things. Right. But he does have some injury history. He is so important to what they do. And when they don't have a ton of interior pass rush that you can for sure count on without him, too, um, or you're wondering a little bit about the depth there, um, you worry about him being able to give you the full slate that you want from him because he's just a, a total game changer in there. These are nitpicky elements. Yes. And and yes. so I, I the, these are first world, but problems. they can blow up. But sure. they, I mean, they can blow up into into bigger things. If you're not getting pass rush, yeah. we, we certainly know that can be a problem. Um, but you know, w- when you're talking about, I, I I don't see, I don't see a ton of stuff there that's obvious. It's stuff that would be exposed due to surprises or injuries as as the season unfolds. I think an interesting question, and for me, it's a question, not a huge concern, but I'm interested in how the Samaj P. Ryan role morphs into whatever it becomes this year. Yeah, because he was such a big part of what they did, and, and there's a reason they wanted to bring him back, and they just didn't land any of the other pieces that I think that they had eyes on or that you thought they would. That other guy never came into the equation. Yeah. That I think you kind of waited on. And part of that was an encouragement with Chris Evans Part of that was an encouragement with Travion Williams, and part of it goes back to where it started. I mean, an overconfidence that they feel like they can put somebody in that role and, and can make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he was incredibly important, and we don't, ha- we don't know for sure on any of those guys if they can give you some of the things that, that Samaje can. Um, it, that's certainly – part of it when you start when you start playing the best of the best when you start needing a little extra uh will you be able to get it from them uh whereas at at times last year you got it from Samaje. i want to spend some time on the uh the piece you have coming out because what what you've done is fascinating and i can't wait to read this but i i do want to let the audience know that if you go to (laughs) findstarlink.com just to put a bow on what i was talking about yeah let's make sure we we get tonight you type in the city you live in tonight at 9 19 Starlink 102 will be bright for four minutes if you look west to south. So if you want to see this space train that I'm sure you think I was hallucinating about last night that flew over my house, it apparently is going to fly over Cincinnati again tonight. Did you just create this website to cover your tracks? Yeah, you know, that's what I do is I, I, now, I, I, can, I can barely operate a computer, but now I'm creating <laughs> websites that allow you to find imaginary spaceships. I'm just, I'm just saying, covering tracks. I mean, I don't know. You could be in it with Elon. You could be connected. Yeah. You know, and you're not, now you realize you shouldn't have said that. Yeah. He already created a website. I'm going to get a memo. Cover it up. Yeah, it gets brought into the office. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. Report to Area 51, You please. could see the thing that I saw over my house last night at 919, according to Fine Starlink. 
And if you don't live in Cincinnati, you could type in your town to tell you where you see the thing. Well, can it tell us when we expect to see aliens next or when alien bits are going to I don't to, know. Uh, Findalien.com might be a thing, too, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. Because that's – I'm also very – I also want to know that beyond just the train. Yeah. As I said to you on your podcast, we are now to a point where in our, our country, in our civilization, where you find out, like, we have – biological remains of aliens, and we all just kind of go, eh, okay. I, N- nothing shocks us anymore. That's where we are now. I think, how far are we from just an alien just running for office? No comment on that one. It is uh, 14 <laughs> minutes away from uh, 4 o'clock. We're at the Moreline Lager House, downtown Cincinnati. Uh, Paul Danner Jr. is with us. Uh, hear that podcast growling. The uh, latest podcast that he hosts is out. Make sure you check that out. It's 14 away from 4 o'clock on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. Away from uh, 4 o'clock, this is ESPN 1530. Mo Egger, uh, Paul Danner Jr. is here from The Athletic for another segment. We are uh, broadcasting this afternoon from the uh, Moreline Lager House, downtown Cincinnati, Directly across the street from uh, GABP, the $5 happy hour menu is uh, up and running until uh, 6 o'clock. So uh, come on by, especially uh, if you're headed to the uh, Reds game tonight. You are, uh, you've are you worked on something. It's, I think it's ready to go. It's going to be yep. published later this be. week <laughs> that I think is, uh, is fascinating. So I love the opportunity you've had to watch film with coaches. But to get them to watch film of games they've lost, big games they've lost with you, I think is pretty cool. So at the end of last year, I started, you know, thinking about how the game ended against Kansas City and some of the similarities to what we saw at the end of the Super Bowl mm-hmm. against the Rams and and came up with essentially I didn't come up with it. I mean, really what you found was something that was startling in that was if if you look at the Bengals in the postseason, they've had 14 drives that have started in the fourth quarter of games where, you know, it was within a possession. Right. So clutch drives, let's call them, right? Mm-hmm. 14 drives. None have ended in a touchdown. Wow. And the last seven in a row, starting with the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. have not netted a point. And so many of them have been what could have won a championship. Mm-hmm. Any of them. Yeah. And – it's a, it was a weird anomaly for me, not because it happened necessarily, because we've talked about the offensive line and the health mm-hmm. of them. I think that's an easy part of the discussion here, which, which I get into with them. But the fact that it's so starkly different from who they have been for, t- for the last two years in the regular season. Yeah. They have been the best in the league in those situations. Top three in almost every metric in clutch drives, close games, fourth quarter. It's, it's why you get the, you know, the feeling when Burrow goes out there. Where else would you rather be? And Zach Taylor said that to me. I, he said he remembered saying into the headset when Burrow went out there with 2.30 left. He said, perfect. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what, I, is exactly what you would want. Yeah. And set it into everybody. Yeah. You know, every fan how, felt that way. Every fan yeah. felt that way. <clears throat> it, and so my question to them was, is this a thing? Or is this small sample oversimplification? Because to me, what, what is this season about for them in this offense in so many ways? Finish. They've been to the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. They've been so close. They haven't finished when they've gotten there, specifically offensively. 
They haven't had that final drive, the touchdown to win the game in the playoffs. Now we've seen them make plays, certainly Tennessee, you know, where they set up the field goal off the interception. Kansas City off the interception, they got enough to get in the field goal range, and that's great. But when you've now gotten there a couple years in a row, and and they were willing to sit down and go through it. I I got a, yeah, thanks for that from them, you know, for making (laughs) us relive this. But I thought it was interesting. How do you assess that? Mm -hmm. Did it affect the way you thought let's – construct the roster differently are there things you can do to be better built to to win in those spots is it about offensive line depth is it about a player like Lyle Collins quite simply mm-hmm. is is it and I thought it, their and some of their answers were really fascinating to me in that they didn't view it that way not until I really brought it to them did they even really think to view these together mm-hmm. and but going through the individual plays I learned I learned a lot about where the Bengals lean in those big situations and how they view those going forward. Um, It it was really fascinating. It's been a pleasure to go through it over the course of this offseason because I do think it's a major theme of of what's next for the Bengals. It's the only unchecked Burrow box. Yeah, we talked about this. Yeah. 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 And then then this narrative that's out there of people, is is Joe Burrow really clutch? I mean, that's out there, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that was one worth addressing there as well. I mean, how, what is this? Is this is this partially on Burroughs? This is about part of his development. Um, there were so many aspects they were willing to get into with me um, through individual plays and general philosophy and their own notes and thoughts. Um, it was it's great, and so that'll be out the next couple of days. But I've been working on it for a while, and I think I think people will really like it to get a good view of how those big spots were viewed, and how they assessed it going forward to try to see. So the next time, uh, you will get that drive. You will get that finishing touch that you so often see in the regular season. Yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's cool that they had a willingness to go back and watch things that didn't work. Yeah. They said, well, the, the I, line was, look, if you're going to write common. about it, let's talk about yeah, it, okay? Because, sure. But, but I felt like it needed to be it's, – it's the most high-profile drives – of the Joe Burrow, Burrow era, mm-hmm. and unlike almost every other aspect of him, they've been the ones that have ended without what you finally, uh, what, what you what you thought you would see, and, and with a touchdown. So this is coming out in the in the coming days. Depending on if any other news breaks, okay. I'm hoping tomorrow morning. But uh, Could, you know, we're all sort of at the whims of pens and papers right. these days. Could I pitch a sequel to this? A sequel? Yeah. We watch the shovel passes. Me, you, yes. Zach, and Brian. Where I could tag along. Yeah. They could put the shovel passes on the board, and they could explain to me why, on a handful of occasions, they have elected to call that play, which has a success rate of .001%. Yes, I, I am. Uh, put it up there. Here's Stanley Morgan motioning in. Now we're going to, okay, Zach, what are we looking at here? I, 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 might let, in. I might let the last drive of the Super Bowl breathe. <laughs> Before I show up, before I show up with the shovel pass from Baltimore. All right, you got an event Tuesday night too. Uh, or Thursday, Thursday, yeah, Thursday night. Thursday night, yeah, Thursday night. We'll be uh, we'll be down at Fifty West. It's our kickoff for the year. Uh, seven podcast. o'clock, seven o'clock live podcast. Um, all pretty much all us local media folks coming down there joining me. It's going to be a ton of fun. We'll talk about the season uh, right up until the kickoff of Chiefs Lions at eight twenty. That'll be on all the big screens in the beer garden, and we'll be hanging out, drinking, watching. Uh, one of my favorite nights of the year. So come on down and join us there. There you go. Yep. Awesome as always. We'll uh, we'll talk next Tuesday. 
We'll have a game to discuss. We'll talk about the game. We're actually going to talk about a football game, which is a fascinating football game. Really fascinating. Right? Absolutely. Like, I mean, say what you want about him as a guy. The, the player that Deshaun Watson is this season is an interesting storyline. And mechanically speaking, Orlando Brown's going to be thrown to the Wolves with Miles Garrett. Orlando Brown and the Jonah Williams moves. Darius Smith, yeah. don't forget. I mean, where you're like, okay, here you go. This is what it is. And this is why you're and here. And Denzel Ward's in the concussion protocol. So if you're Cleveland, you're looking at that offense going, oh, boy, might not have our best DB. Who has been, you know, maybe arguably outside of Garrett, the yeah. biggest game changer for them uh, in this series where they've kind of found ways to have Burrow's number. I, it's it's going to be fun. And, and the Browns need it more than the Bengals. I mean, they desperately need – a signature kind of chemistry builder right off the top to show that they're kind of the not the same old uh, Browns sure. that they've been. So I think you're going to get some early desperation from them and Kevin Stefanski, who's on the hot seat. There's just there's a lot of side things at play there, and you've got Burrow who hasn't we haven't seen him. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, out there, there's there's just there's there's a lot going on in this opener that we'll learn from. We'll talk about it next Tuesday. Can't wait. Good stuff. All right. Read Paul's work, theathletic.com. Hear the uh, latest podcast. Hear that podcast growling as we get set for the opener on uh, Sunday, Bengals and Browns. And uh, we'll see you in a week. Looking forward to it. All right. A lot of room uh, between now and 6 o'clock. I'm making a, a declaration. We'll get to that next. We're at the Moorline Logger House, downtown Cincinnati. It's 4 o'clock on ESPN 1530. The quest for the championship begins. Joe Burrow and his big bad Bengals kick off their season against Deshaun Watson and the Browns. It'll be a battle for Buckeye supremacy and divisional domination. Heads for the end zone. Touchdown! Dan Hoard and Dave Lapham have the call from Cleveland. Both feet down. Touchdown! Coverage begins Sunday morning at 9. Incredible! On ESPN 1530, the official home of the Bengals. All right, that's us. Good afternoon, I'm Mo Edgar. You're listening to uh, ESPN 1530. Thank you so much. Hopefully you had a terrific Labor Day weekend. Uh, this has sort of been like an extension of the weekend for us here at the uh, Moorline Logger House. We are broadcasting from... Uh, directly across the street from GABP. If, let's see, if you're, like, making your way to the, the Reds game tonight, they play at 640 against uh, the Seattle Mariners. The Reds looking for their second consecutive win. Reds looking for their fourth win in five games, looking to take a step toward the postseason now with uh, 22 games to go. We'll get to that here in uh, just a second. Moreline Logger House right across the street from the ballpark. Uh, this place is fantastic. We broadcast from here every single Tuesday. We love these folks. They're so good to us. We've got between uh, 3, which is when we start, and 6 o'clock, We've got the $5 happy hour menu, which includes uh, Moreline Lager House drafts. We've also got uh, $2 off appetizers, which you cannot beat, and uh, a full dinner menu as well. So if you're coming to the ballpark tonight, swing by Moreline Lager House on the way. Or if you're just thinking dinner for the evening, by the way, if you haven't had the Philly cheesesteak here at the Moreline Lager House, you owe it to yourself. And don't forget, as we get closer and closer to the start of the Bengals season, Bengals are on the road on Sunday. Obviously, Moreline Lager House is open for the game, so you can watch it here. And as you look ahead to the home opener a week from Sunday against Baltimore, boy, I tell you what, uh, it's it's always so much fun down here before a game. You've got a, a party outside. You've got, obviously, you're posted up in here. Tremendous beer selection. This is a great place before the game. 
it's a great place to celebrate after and a great place. Great place if you're ever uh, doing a radio show, Marline Lagerhouse is going to have you. So uh, we love it here, and we thank them for having us and invite you to come on out. If, if not today, maybe next Tuesday, and certainly at some point uh, during the, uh, the football season, which we will dive deeper into here uh, in just a bit. Can we give it up to the Reds? Like, the last month for this team has involved just an avalanche of bad news from Matt McClain to Joey Votto to Nick Lodolo now is not going to pitch this year. Uh, Hunter Green coming back in his first two starts, not pitching very effectively at all, and I'm being kind in that assessment. To uh, a losing month on the field. Uh, it now, recently, they've, I, I mean, today they're calling up Connor Phillips, who a, a lot of people are very, very high on. I don't think Connor Phillips pitching for the Reds this season in the thick of a pennant race was something that they had planned, and yet they have to do that. This team, despite injuries, despite a growing COVID list, they have had to start Lion Richardson, and the other day it was Carson Spires. Yesterday, they had Michael Marriott, who they've DFA'd today, getting uh, two and a half or two and a thirds innings worth of outs. And yet, Labor Day has come and gone. We've now completely flipped the calendar to September. They've at least hung in there. Uh, are you being fair if you wonder how much more could they take realistically without cratering? Yes, I wonder it. Uh, on Saturday, we saw that Graham Ashcraft is going to have to miss time. Amid all the guys who have gone on the COVID list, he's on the injured list with uh, a stress reaction in his toe. There is hope that he is going to be able to come back and pitch at some point this year. But I think you're being realistic and you're being fair if with e- each one of these pieces of bad news that come, you wonder how much more can this team take, and yet... They have found a way to kind of just hang in there. And I, I know I've, I've said this on this show, and I've talked about it with Tony and Austin on, on their show. It's uh, maybe gotten trite, but it, th- this team reminds me of a boxer that has just taken a beating for like 13, 14 rounds. Uh, they've been knocked down. They've been thrown against the ropes. They've been beaten into the corner. They have been outmanned. And you, you keep waiting for someone to throw in the towel. You, you keep waiting for the knockout punch. And they have somehow remained standing. They're wobbly. They're woozy. They might not have their balance about them. But they're still hanging in there. And I, I think that, that best kind of describes this team. Over the weekend, a pretty dormant offensive performance in the game on Friday afternoon. They come back and win the nightcap in dramatic fashion, the Noelve Marte hit. And then one of the most fun, one of the closest uh, endings to a game on uh, Saturday night on the the, the walk-off fielder's choice, if you will. Uh, they've, they've had to add new guys, and Hunter Renfro comes up big, I guess, if you want to put it that way, on, on Saturday night. And a game that for most of the evening the Reds played like they were in Little League with the way they ran the bases and even some of the defense, they figure out a way to pull out. And then they lose this game on Sunday that just was this incredible back-and-forth tilt for seven innings. The bullpen implodes. Uh, They lose by over a touchdown. And you go, okay, missed opportunity. 
They really couldn't gain any ground on the Cubs. Now this red-hot Seattle team is coming. Reds are going to have to go with a bullpen day. T.J. Antone, who, by the way, was awesome seeing T.J. Antone pitch, not just yesterday, but when he came back and made his 2023 big league debut on Saturday night. Uh, You took the loss on Sunday, and you're like, all right, this really hot Seattle team with Julio Rodriguez, they're coming to town. The Reds are rolling out there on the mound right now, a bunch of dudes that you might argue have no business pitching in the big leagues, and yet they get the Spencer Steer homer, they play from ahead, and they somehow get 27 outs against a Seattle team that has been red hot. Again, you had Michael Marriott getting outs yesterday, and you had Julio Rodriguez coming to the plate in the seventh and ninth inning, both with a chance to tie the game, and in neither situation did he, in neither situation uh, did he do anything but strike out, and they they win. I... I I, I, I don't know how much longer this is going to last. You could, you could take some degree of comfort in the fact that the schedule after this series against Seattle is going to ease up. After the Mariners leave, they only play one more team with a winning record, and it's a not great uh, Minnesota team. Uh, maybe you do that. Maybe you're holding out hope that some of these guys who aren't available are going to figure out a way to come back. What I sort of lean on is it, it might sound hokey, and it might sound silly, and it definitely sounds very unscientific there's there's something about this team's collective will or collective spirit that i think at the very least is going to allow them to hang around to the final week of the season and we only have 22 games to go we've we've kind of been doing rolling math all year long trying to figure out okay well how many wins is it going to take to win the national league central and for a while i said look you got to at least get to 88 maybe 89 and then it's okay, well, how many wins are they going to have to have? And yeah, Milwaukee is still five and a half up. I don't think the math really works out there. But how many wins is it going to take to get that last wild card spot? Maybe it's 86, maybe it's 85. If this team finishes 12 and 10, that gets them to 84 wins. By the way, they have won the tiebreaker against Arizona for what it's worth. Is 84 going to do it? Maybe, maybe not, but it's going to put them in the ballpark and suddenly, with the schedule at least, that seems attainable. The, the guys who have gone on the COVID list hopefully come back here very soon. You've got to spend a minimum of seven days. But I'll go ahead and say this, man. This is not a, a great Reds team. It's not a team that if they made the postseason, you would bet on them to, to win the World Series and feel very good about. Most of your uh, projections have the Reds sitting with about a 20 to 25% chance of making the playoffs and so statistically the odds are not in their favor this is one of my favorite reds teams of all time uh i've always i've always talked about my two favorite reds teams ever i was 13 years old in 1990 i love the 95 team because you know as a senior in high school going into my freshman year in college you get a little bit more freedom i went to like 50 games that year was the first season in which i was like going to a bunch of games kind of on my own with my buddies and kind of could go do what I wanted. And the team itself that year was very, very good. And and I've always really cherished the 2010 team, which for me was the first team that while I was on the air doing this every day was in the hunt and they made the playoffs and they, I don't want to say they kind of came from out of nowhere to win the division, but nobody thought that they would win the national league central. They were in the middle of this stretch of, 
you know, for the most part, cardinal dominance in the National League Central, and Votto has an MVP year, and they get to the postseason, and Bruce clinches the division with his homer off uh, Tim Burdak, and they kind of ran away in the month of September. I've always loved that team. I'm putting this team right there with it for me. Uh, are they the best Reds team I've watched? Not even remotely close. But I, I do think that they have spent the summer reviving interest in baseball in this town. Hey, it's Mo Egger. If you're a college basketball fan, you're going to love Long Neck Sports Grill. There are three locations in northern Kentucky, Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Each one of them has 4K TVs all over the place. And at Long Necks, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And the menu at Long Necks is awesome, but you've got to try their wings. No matter who your team is, you'll find them at Long Necks. This college basketball season, swing by Long Neck Sports Grill. Stay late. Come often. Uh, for me, professionally, they got us talking about baseball again. I said this often during the summer. Now when we talk about baseball, we actually talk about baseball not how much you don't like the Castellinis or if the team is going to be sold or why you're not going to games uh it was a tremendous breath of fresh air all summer long we've talked a lot about how they've played and their brand of baseball and their style of baseball and we've talked a lot about how this team's core really does seem to 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 set up well for the future but as much as anything, how they have figured out a way, in spite of the front office not making any huge additions to the team, in spite of this just onslaught of bad news that you keep thinking is going to break this bunch, they're still in it. And they're in it, and it's it's a reflection of the watered-down system we have where now you have six teams in each league make the postseason. It's a reflection of the fact that uh, nobody has run away and hidden in the in the race for a last wild card spot, but I just I think there's something really endearing about this team. I think there's something really endearing about its collective makeup, and I, we're in this day and age. Uh, and I am a big big fan of the day and age we're in. I'm as pro analytics as anybody you're going to find because analytics are nothing more than information. But I think sometimes there can be such a heavy emphasis on on stats, either newer ones or traditional ones, that there are things that tend to get overlooked a little bit. This team's culture seems to be absolutely ideal. This is something the Bengals get a lot of credit for, and deservedly so. But it's not something that would matter if they had some random quarterback. Instead, they've got an MVP caliber guy at QB. With this team, though, I think it applies too. Uh, whether it be with because of the collection of young guys they have or who they have sitting in the manager's seat in the dugout or some sort of tone set from high. I'm not making them out to be the, the next version of what we watched or what many watched in the 70s. I'm not even making them out to be as good as the teams we saw in the early 2010s. And again, the, the math is not on their side in terms of making the playoffs. But what... What an endearing team, and what a resilient team. And I think there's something to be said about that. They lost those two games in San Francisco last week, and Hunter Green takes them out on getaway day. And you're kind of thinking, if they don't win this one, it's a losing road trip. It's a series sweep at the hands of a team that you're neck and neck with. You just lost three out of four in Arizona. Hunter pitches well. Encarnacion comes up big with his bat. They win those games. They survived the series against the Cubs. They win two games that you could argue they shouldn't have. 
and yesterday they bounce back and win, and they're doing all of this as decimated and as shorthanded as a team could be in its starting rotation. If you can't appreciate that, then I'm I'm not sure why you're, you're watching. I'm not sure why you, you invest in a team emotionally. This club, it's it's got an an abundance of flaws, and it can be maddening at times. And I'm with you in wondering if, you know, to what extent is Ellie De La Cruz going to improve offensively next year and even in the field because we saw him make some plays that were frustrating this weekend, but. Collectively, man, I, this is one of my favorite Reds teams ever. And and the way that over the last couple of weeks they've been far from perfect, they go on that trip to California uh, and Arizona, they won their first three games with everybody fearing that this was going to be the trip that sort of sealed their fate. And instead, they treaded water. And they come back home and play the Cubs, and after they lose that first game with all the bad COVID and injury news, you're thinking, okay, there's no way that they – just survive this series, and they do. And then the Mariners come here, and it's going to be a bullpen day, and you're going to have to call up a guy for his big league debut the second game, and, oh, my God, this is going to be the beginning of the end. I don't know what's going to happen tonight. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I can tell you they race out to a 5 nothing lead, uh, 5 nothing lead yesterday, and they win the ball game, and they're still standing, and they've still got a shot. And I think there's something awfully endearing about that. Uh... And so, yeah, one of my all-time favorite Reds teams. And by the way, and we'll get to this a little bit later on, if David Bell hasn't won you over at this point, I just I assume he's never going to. We'll spend some time on that here in, uh, in just a bit. Speaking of endearing, and we're going to get back to the Bengals here momentarily. It's uh, 422 on the Tuesday before the first game, and I've not seen anything to suggest that Joe Burrow has uh, signed his contract extension. Uh, I-, I thought a pretty if not endearing, at least encouraging performance by the UC Bearcats on Saturday. They blow out EKU, which you expected them to win. Maybe you didn't think they'd win by 53 points. I didn't think they'd win by 53 points, but I think they answered a little bit of a question. We'll get to that coming up in just about 12 minutes. We're at the Moraline Lager House, downtown Cincinnati. My name is Mo Egger. Come on out and join us. We're here till 6 on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. Don't forget, Sunday's Bengals-Browns game airs live on ESPN 1530. That game's going to start at 1 o'clock. Pre-game coverage on ESPN 1530 begins at 9.05 on Sunday morning. And uh, the first Tony and Mo football show of 2023 will air in six days. Uh, we are today at the uh, Moreline Lager House, uh, downtown Cincinnati. Brennan and Jones on baseball uh, coming up. And uh, the borough contract is not done yet. I've got some uh, some thoughts on that and uh, so much more, including our guy Paul picking the Bengals to win the Super Bowl, which I'm on board with, even if I'm not going to do the exact same thing. We'll get to why coming up in the uh, 5 o'clock hour. First, Scott Satterfield talked today, the head coach of the UC Bearcats. In the aftermath of his team's victory over EK, you will he- will hear, you'll hear what he had to say about uh, the win on Saturday and the upgrade in opponent this coming Saturday as the Bearcats get set to take on the Panthers. That is coming up next on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. Are you ready for some football? We are. This is Dave Lapper, and you're listening to the home of the Bengals, ESPN 1530. Sports updates the service of Kelsey Chevrolet, home of lifetime powertrain protection and guaranteed credit approval from their family to yours for life. KelseyChev.com. 
Uh, Reds and Mariners again tonight at GABP with Connor Phillips making his uh, big league debut for Cincinnati. Righty Bryce Miller will throw for Seattle. 640 is uh, tonight's first pitch. The game is live on 700 WLW. Your starting lineup this evening for Cincinnati. Are you ready? Fraley is DHing and leading off. Friedel's in center field. Steers at second. Ellie is playing shortstop and batting fourth. Hunter Renfro in right. Christian Encarnacion strand at first base. Will Benton in left. Noel De Marte is playing third base. And Luke Maley behind the plate. He will bat in the ninth position. Uh, Phillips uh, has pitched in 25 games across stints in Chattanooga and Louisville. In Chattanooga, he had a 3.34 ERA. Louisville, he had a 4.69 ERA. Uh, he has struck out a lot of dudes, averaging across the course of his minor league career 12.8 strikeouts per nine innings in his career. This season, across two levels, 154 Ks in 105 innings. Off day for the Bengals today as they get set to take on the Cleveland Browns on Sunday, the game live on ESPN 1530. Uh, college football AP Top 25. Colorado moves in after their win over TCU on a Saturday. They are 22nd. Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Florida State, and Ohio State 1-5. through five. Kentucky beat Ball State on Saturday. The Wildcats with enough votes to finish 30th. And uh, Pitt, Cincinnati's opponent on Saturday, ranked 31st. The Scott Satterfield Show is tonight at 8 o'clock. That airs live on ESPN 1530. Scott Satterfield talked with the uh, media today uh, in the aftermath of, well, his team's victory over EKU on uh, Saturday and uh, the game against Pittsburgh this coming Saturday. And he was asked about the difference in preparation from playing an FCS school in EKU to a Power 5 opponent in Pitt. I think it helps a lot, you know, I think. Well, I mean, just you get you to talk about it. You got to know that the speed of the game is going to be faster. You know, you got to anticipate, um, you know, being more physical, um, you know, but we want we practice physical. I mean, I think we get after it. You know, we've, you know, this this um, this August we tackled a lot. You know, we you know, we tried to be intentional in, in the way our, our approach was, uh, knowing that this is going to be we want to be a physical team like we want to play that way as well. And, um, you know, all phases. So, um, you know, something that we pride ourselves in, so we, we better be able to bring it. You know, every play we're out there. Um, you know, certainly a, you know, we're playing a team that's obviously a lot better. Um, you know, than an EKU team. Um, you know, at Pitt, and um, you know, and Pitt's used to winning. I mean, Pitt won ACC two years ago, and um, you know, Pitt's a, a very aggressive style. I mean, I think last year they were number two in sacks last year behind Louisville, and uh, you know, so but they've been that, they've been a top whatever, three or four in sacks every year, I feel like. And um, so that's just what they're going to do. And then offensively, they're going to try to be, try to play bully ball, be big and, you know, push you off the line of scrimmage. And we got to be, certainly got to be you know, aware of that and ready for that. Obviously, some familiarity, Scott Satterfield, having coached at uh, Louisville the last few years, faced Pitt, beat him last year 24-10, to lost in Pittsburgh in September of 2020, by a score of 23 to 20. And so uh, the Bearcats head coach talked today about playing against a familiar foe. I think it helps a lot. You know, I think um, we faced them in 2020 there. Uh, we lost 23-20, um, you know, and during COVID. And didn't have anybody in the stands. It was a little bit obviously different at that, that point in time. But, you know, what they did defensively, man, they, they shut us down. I think we gave up seven sacks maybe, seven or eight sacks that day. 
couldn't really run the ball. We hit one run for 75 yards. Other than that, we we, we looked awful offensively, and um, and you know we're still in the game, but but did not did not play well at all. But we learned a lot off that game compared to what we tried to do last year when we played them. Uh, you know, I thought we played them a lot better last year, and you know, still it's still hard to move the ball. It's just hard to find points. Um, you know, so we, we certainly learned a lot, though, and I think that will help us as we prepare this week um, to know what we need to tell our players. Uh, you know, and it's, it's, they really hadn't changed over the last four or five years, so it's very similar. So I think that, you know, having that familiarity with, the, with what they've done in the past will certainly help us this week. All right, one more from Scott Satterfield. Emory Jones, Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week, accounting for seven touchdowns in his Bearcat debut. This is a guy, and Dan Horde and Jim Kelly talked about this on the radio broadcast on a Saturday afternoon, who from spring ball through the course of fall ball made tremendous strides. Here is uh, Scott on Emory's progression over the summer. Well, I just think this he had a really good August, you know, um, he missed some time, I think, at higher ground. He had to, had to get a tooth taken out, and so he missed that time. He came back. He was a little rusty for a few days, but then they got, I thought, by, the, by last week, the prep, game prep, he was back dialed in, uh, looked really good. Uh, you know, and then, he, you know, from, right from the start, I thought he was making some good throws. He was accurate. We felt good about, you know, calling some plays for him, and, 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 he, and he made it happen. The receivers made, you know, Xavier made a couple of good contested catches that I thought were really nice. Um, you know, but he did. He also the one thing that we hadn't seen that that is his running. You know, because you're not you're not tackling Emory in camp. You know, so it's like, all right, what's he going to do when he actually going to get tackled? And I thought he ran the ball hard, ran it good. We had a cue draw uh, on that first drive for about 10 or 12, 11 yards, and then that was the fourth down. Was right after the cue draw, and he had a very accurate throw. Um, you know, and then the scramble on the touchdown run. I mean, that was a great run. You know, he broke a couple of tackles, and then, so I mean, he certainly got a good running ability. You know, he's a different style runner. Maybe, you know, like what we had at Cunningham, you know, Cunningham was a smaller, more shifty. You know, he's bigger, you know, but he, but he certainly has some good speed. Um, he's going to keep defenses honest with the way he can run. Um, he's going to be able to get out of some trouble at times, um, you know, so. Um, but I thought his accuracy was what was, was really, really good, you know. Um, I mean, when you throw more touchdowns than you have incompletions, you know it's a pretty good day. Um, so we got to, you know, we got to find ways where he can get some completions um, in this game early, and, and you know, try to try to keep that thing rolling. All right, Scott Satterfield earlier today, UC in Pittsburgh on a Saturday night. I, I thought, all things considered, uh, understanding the opponent being what it is, an FCS school, uh, I thought Cincinnati's debut, uh, where Scott, the the debut of Cincinnati football under Scott Satterfield, was a smashing success. Hey, it's Mo Egger. If you're a college basketball fan, you're going to love Long Neck Sports Grill. There are three locations in Northern Kentucky, Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Each one of them has 4K TVs all over the place. And at Long Necks, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And the menu at Long Necks is awesome, but you've got to try their wings. No matter who your team is, you'll find them at Long Necks. This college basketball season, swing by Long Neck Sports Grill. Stay late. Come often. Uh, the, the concern, I think, going into week one wasn't so much whether or not they would win the game or maybe even whether or not they would win the game decisively, but... How does a team with a new staff, 33 new scholarship players, nearly two dozen guys transferring from other programs, a new quarterback, how cohesive do they look? And if if they don't look cohesive, how long will it take for them to look cohesive? They looked cohesive. They looked like a team that had chemistry. Emory Jones, I thought, 
he was very, very comfortable, and maybe that's a team against whom the offensive line can gain some confidence. I thought Emery looked really good, and I, I think there's two things that stood out to me maybe more than anything. Number one, Tony Pike talked about this uh, earlier today. That team's speed on defense, I think, was abundantly clear. And, and again, it's, it's matched up against a team against whom you would expect to be faster. I think the other thing is, for those, those who had been to a, a lot of practices during August would come back and talk about, look, there are a lot of dudes that you might not be that familiar with in the wide receiver room, and a lot of guys who have come from other areas, other teams, but there's a lot of talent there, and my impression walking away from Saturday was, yeah, there are some dudes on the outside, starting with uh, Xavier Henderson, who had a big game, very good game for Corey Kiner. I think more than anything, they looked pretty crisp. Now, again, different opponent, different venue on, uh, on Saturday, pit for what it's worth, hammered Wofford on Saturday afternoon and yeah some history between the, the two programs that we're going to talk about but if the question going into week one was are all these guys going to be on the same page and will they have built chemistry with each other I think the answer to those two questions was emphatically yes so far right now the question about is Joe Burrow going to sign his contract before the season starts as of right now emphatically no We'll get to that coming up at 5.05. We're at the Amoreline Logger House, downtown Cincinnati, broadcasting until 6 on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. It is uh, 12 minutes away from uh, 5 o'clock. We're at the Amoreline Logger House, downtown. It's uh, Moe's Happy Hour. We uh, have a Reds game tonight that starts less than two hours, so uh, come on by. Have a cold one. Take advantage of uh, $2 off appetizers as well before you go to the ball game tonight. Reds and M's in the uh, second of a uh, three-game series at GABP. Reds in the middle of their second-to-last homestand of uh, 2023 and currently tied for a wild-card spot as uh, we get set for baseball tonight. So if uh, you're coming down, come on by and see us uh, and have something to uh, something to eat and something to drink before the uh, the ball game tonight uh paul daner jr was with us earlier today from the athletic and talking about his his season preview which he does every single year he has the bengals winning the super bowl and it's it's fun to make predictions like that i i've tended to stop short of it i did last year i'll do it this year we'll get into sort of i think the best way to frame However you feel about a team's title chances, we'll do that coming up at uh, 5.05. And I I think we have progressed to the, quote, dude, just get it done portion of the Bengals and Joe Burrow contract negotiations, at least for those of us from the outside. Uh, I I, I don't know what the sticking point is. I, I don't even know if there is a sticking point. There still seems to be a sense of, this has a pretty good chance of getting done before Sunday, but you know, let's face it, it's it's something that was talked about as being the biggest offseason priority for the Bengals. The offseason is effectively over, and so if it was your biggest offseason priority, then why have we waited so long for this to uh, to get done? I don't think either side is necessarily wrong. I'd tell you what I would do if I was Joe Burrow. I'd tell you what I would do if I was the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, we'll get to that coming up in the uh, 5 o'clock hour as well. And I bet you cannot wait. It is uh, 10 minutes away from uh, 5. We've got to get to some poll questions, too, thanks to our friends at uh, Baxla Tractor. We'll do that here at the uh, Moorline Logger House. But first, it's time for Brenneman and Jones on baseball. 
The quest for the championship begins. Joe Burrow and his big bad Bengals kick off their season against Deshaun Watson and the Browns. Be a battle for Buckeye supremacy and divisional domination. Cut by Chase, heads for the end zone, touchdown! Dan Hoard and Dave Lapham have the call from Cleveland. Both feet down, touchdown! Coverage begins Sunday morning at 9 Incredible. on ESPN 1530, the official home of the Bengals. Five minutes after five, this is ESPN 1530. Good afternoon, I'm Mo Egger. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, thrilled to have you with us. We are broadcasting today from uh, Moreline Lager House, downtown Cincinnati. It's hot, but it's gorgeous outside. Good night for baseball tonight at GABP. Reds and Mariners coming up with the uh, second of a three-game series. Reds are still hanging in there. Tonight, Connor Phillips makes his big league debut. Obviously, we are getting set for a big football weekend here downtown. Uh, Bengals are on the road. Uh, Moreline Lager House. You come watch the Bengals play on Sunday. It's an awesome place to watch games. Uh, the home opener a week from Sunday. Obviously, beforehand, if uh, you're looking for a place to post up, this is it. Great outdoor area. Lots going on. We have got uh, our show here every single Tuesday from 3 to 6. And uh, that coincides with the uh, $5 happy hour menu. It also coincides with what they do from uh, 3 to 6 is they take $2 off appetizers. It's a great place for a meal before the game. It's an awesome place for dinner. So, you know, we're done at 6 o'clock. If you're thinking, God, you know what, Uh, dinner out. It's been a busy weekend, perhaps. Uh, Leave the cooking to somebody else. The kitchen here at the uh, Moreline Lager House cooks something up for you. The menu is fantastic. Uh, I get the Philly cheesesteak here on the menu. Uh, that is awesome. We love this place. Come on out. If you can't get here before 6, maybe for dinner time tonight. And if you can't join us today, maybe next Tuesday or the one after that or the one after that because we're broadcasting from here every single Tuesday. And uh, we love this place. Uh, we'll get back to the baseball here in just a second. Uh, Tracy Jones, I was listening to him and Brennan and Jones on baseball talk about uh, signing Joey Votto long-term, signing him for next year. We have a couple of weeks left in the season. Reds are kind of hanging in there. Joey is doing some uh, shoulder strengthening. I- I'm just I'm going to ask the same thing about Joey Votto uh, that I have for the last week and a half or so as the, the coming weeks and the early portion of the offseason move forward. We'll get to that coming up uh, in a bit. More on UC football here in a few. The Bengals play the Browns on uh, Sunday. There's lots of stuff that's really interesting about this game. I love this week. Because after months of speculative stuff, who are they going to sign in free agency? How will those players fit? Who are they going to draft? How good will these guys be? Uh, Forecasting what the bottom end of the depth chart might look like. This week, we start to get some answers to questions, and the, the big picture stories take center stage, and the stars take center stage. Joe Burrow on the field against Deshaun Watson. Can Joe finally win a game in Cleveland? What kind of player is Deshaun Watson going to be? Uh, the Browns, by the way, tomorrow is going to be an interesting day. Do we find out that Denzel Ward is coming out of the concussion protocol because of, well, uh, his importance to that team, his importance to that team when you have the wide receivers the Bengals have? We get answers to questions like, is Orlando Brown going to pay immediate dividends blocking Miles Garrett? We get answers to questions like, how will they fill the Samaj P. Ryan role, which, by the way, the Bengals released their first depth chart of the season a few minutes ago. We'll get to that coming up here in, uh, in just a bit. I think 
in terms of the season itself, mechanically, I worry about offensive line depth. I think every team, every fan of every team in the NFL, they worry about offensive line depth. That's not exclusive to Cincinnati. Can this team run the ball better? Can they run the ball more effectively? Can there be a little bit more oomph to the running game? Uh, Daner was with us before and mentioned how good Joe Mixon really was statistically over the final two-thirds of the season. But there's a reason why they asked him to take a pay cut. Uh, It's because his performance did leave a little to be desired, or at least that factored into the decision to ask him to take a pay cut. Uh, Can Joe Mixon reverse the trend in this league, and can he prove that he deserves to be a guy that should be invested in moving forward. We'll obviously maybe start to get some answers there. Does his role change without Samaj P. Ryan? Defensively, is the pass rush really better? Uh, Paul before talked about still wondering about the interior of that defensive line. DJ Reader is so important to this team. Can he stay healthy? Can teams exploit the youth the Bengals have in the secondary and not just with Dax Hill at safety, but obviously with DJ Turner and Cam Taylor Britt. What kind of player is Deshaun Watson at this stage in his career after a very underwhelming uh, performance when he came off the 11-game suspension with the Browns last season? We start to get answers, and we start to see how this team is going to perform playing under the weight of massive expectation. And the expectations are massive, and we'll get to that in a bit as well. But let's face it. Preparation for the first game, as of 11 minutes after 5 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon, come against the backdrop of Joe Burrow not signing his contract. Now, this may worry you. This may not worry you. This may be something that by the end of the week, heck, it could be something that by the end of the day is a non-story because the deal gets done. But it is interesting the entire offseason has come and gone, and the item on the list that felt like their biggest priority has not been crossed off. What are the sticking points? Uh, I'm guessing it's years. I'm guessing Joe would love a chance to hit free agency again, maybe armed with a Super Bowl ring or two, uh, and with the salary cap exponentially higher than it is right now. And I'm sure the Bengals would love to have him for the next 10 to 12 years locked up, And I can understand both sides of that. Maybe there's some sticking point over the specific amount of guaranteed money. Maybe there is a desire by Burrow in his camp to see how things unfold with another quarterback contract extension, like maybe Patrick Mahomes ripping up the one he has in Kansas City and getting a new one with the Chiefs. I don't know. Here's what I do know. Uh, That to almost every rule, there are exceptions. So typically when uh, a popular player or a high-profile player or a very good player is up for a new deal, I I sort of, it's not so much about patience, but it's about understanding that these are negotiations. I remember years ago when Vontez Burfecht was up for a new deal, and I saw people on social media who were adamant, just go ahead and write the check. Go ahead and pay him. Get it done. And... Nothing against Vontez as a player. You certainly wanted them to, to reinvest in him. But I remember going like, you know, it, it, it's, it's a negotiation. Uh, the, the two sides are going to exchange numbers and, and go back and forth. And hopefully they arrive at uh, a point where there's enough common ground that a deal can get done. But 
you're not going to just write him a blank check. He's a linebacker in the NFL. A good one, volatile one, but he's a linebacker in the NFL. And there are other pieces that have to fit in. There are other players you have to pay. There, there's more nuance to it than that, right? Just pay him. Well, there's more to it than that. But there are exceptions. And frankly, this is one of them. I, I don't know specifically what Joe wants. I know what I would want if I were Joe. I'd, I'd, I'd want to be the highest paid quarterback in the league. I'd, I'd want to be the highest paid quarterback in this cycle of QBs that have gotten new deals. I would want a deal that was more expensive and higher paying than Justin Herbert because I've accomplished more. I'm a better player. I was taken earlier in the draft. I've gone to a Super Bowl. I've won playoff games. I've been in the MVP discussion. I can't say those same things about Justin Herbert. I I would also want the freedom of flexibility where I'd, I'd want to see where the league is in a couple of years. I'm 26 years old. Joe will obviously turn 27 in December. I, I still want a chance to maybe hit free agency in my prime. I want to go to a negotiating table and be able to say, I've got a ring or I've, I've maybe got two rings. I want to be able to go to the negotiating table when the salary cap is higher than it is right now. It's only going to go up. It's the popularity of the league. It's also the gambling money coming into the league. It's some of the new media deals starting to take shape. So I'm not signing anywhere for 10 to 12 years. That, that's not going to happen. If, if you're the Bengals, sign up for Joe Burrow for however long he wants. There are certain times where, as an outsider, it's appropriate to say, go ahead and get the deal done. Uh, for all of the positive changes this franchise has made and for all of the good work done by the front office and the people in ownership, and the head coach, and the staff, and Duke Tobin, for all of the good things this franchise has really become being all about, for all of the smart draft decisions, for all of the positive free agency developments, for all of the winning of the last two years, the most important thing that happened to this franchise was they lucked into a transcendent generational quarterback from LSU. Like, a lot of other good – Lou Anarumo's a great defensive coordinator. Uh, he ain't coaching in the Super Bowl if they don't have Joe Burrow. Zach Taylor, I think, is a good head coach. Dude might be unemployed if, if not for, for Joe Burrow. He, uh, the, that, that team down the street, they can't sell the tickets quickly enough. Uh, the waiting list is insane. Bengals gear is flying off the shelves. There's a, an unprecedented amount of injury of, uh, of energy and enthusiasm for this team. All that stuff, the major reason for it is number nine. Hey, it's Mo Egger. If you're a college basketball fan, you're going to love Long Neck Sports Grill. There are three locations in northern Kentucky, Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Each one of them has 4K TVs all over the place. And at Long Necks, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And the menu at Long Necks is awesome, but you've got to try their wings. No matter who your team is, you'll find them at Long Necks. This college basketball season, swing by Long Neck Sports Grill. Stay late. Come often. Uh, we're not so much talking about the Bengals' future in Cincinnati, although lurking behind the scenes, those are things that are playing out in large part because of of Joe Burrow. The, the Burrow effect in this town has been immense. It, it, it's, it's affected the franchise. It, it's, it's affected the city. 
It's affected fans in ways that I could only begin to articulate. That's a guy you don't screw around with. That's a guy you go ahead and pay. That's a guy you go ahead and, and, and whatever sticking points or remaining issues there are, this is one of those where you go and you get it done. And I am very much typically on the side of, well, uh, let's see how this franchise values the replacement for this player. Or uh, let's see what plan B. That there, there's, there's no, as, as much as you could say, well, Joe's got to play for the team next year because of the fifth-year option, and you could still bring him back under a franchise tag. Why create any discomfort? Why create any ill will? I know these deals are complex. I, I know these negotiations are sensitive and can be uncomfortable, and there's nuance to them that most of us could not begin to understand. There's no nuance to this. This franchise was a train wreck before Joe Burrow got here. Nobody wants to admit that now, but it's true. This franchise was drifting aimlessly and largely anonymous and locally a punchline before Joe Burrow got here. Nobody would care about new uniforms or nobody would care about the social media account, which those things are awesome. Nobody would care about the team's culture, if not for number nine. He has made this franchise relevant unlike any player in its history. He is perhaps the most important player the Bengals have ever had, and that includes some guys in the Hall of Fame. That is somebody who has resuscitated interest in your franchise, who has breathed air into it, and who has made it nationally and locally relevant. That's not a guy you screw around with. And so whatever Joe wants, whatever Joe is asking for, as much as there are so many impulses inside of me that say, you don't just write him a blank check, you don't just hand over the franchise to him, there are exceptions. Number nine is one of them. Get the deal done. Stop waiting. Don't let this linger. Don't let this become a thing during the season. I don't believe for a second that Joe Burrow would be distracted. I don't believe that this would cause dissension in the locker room or keep Joe from focusing on his gig because he's such a a football-first guy. But in a year that is, we're going into it, and the expectations are legitimately go win a championship this year, don't, that, don't let that get derailed even just a little bit by this. Get it done. And I know it's so easy to say that, and so many people say it like, Folks are going to say about it, say this with T. Higgins. I love T. Higgins. I love the video of him that went viral this weekend, of him doubling back to uh, meet some kids after the expiration date for a meet and greet event. That's not a guy that you just write a blank check to. You want to keep him, there's more nuance to it. Same for so many of these other guys. Joe Burrow, there's no nuance. Get the deal done. You've had all offseason to see how the market's going to be shaped by the quarterbacks. You understand, I'm sure, on some basic level what he's looking for on an annual basis financially. Get the deal done. Uh, And I I say that as somebody who with with no other athlete has ever been a, quote, just get the deal done guy. With everybody else, there are so many different considerations. I I can't imagine what those considerations are with this guy. And, And granted, to everybody's credit, the negotiations have played out behind the scenes. There haven't been any leaks. Uh, there is still a strong sense that uh, th- there's at least a good chance something is going to get done before Sunday. Um, 
eliminate the doubt, kill the conversation, make it all about Sunday, get the deal done. And if you can't, boy, you're really, really going to look bad. It's 20 minutes after 5 o'clock. Our phone numbers, by the way, are 513-749-1530-866-702-3776. We're on the air till uh, 6 o'clock tonight, broadcasting live from the uh, Moraline Logger House, downtown Cincinnati on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. The quest for the championship begins. Joe Burrow and his big bad Bengals kick off their season against Deshaun Watson and the Browns. It'll be a battle for Buckeye supremacy and divisional domination. Heads for the end zone. Touchdown! Dan Horde and Dave Lapham have the call from Cleveland. Both feet down. Touchdown! Coverage begins Sunday morning at 9. Incredible. On ESPN 1530, the official home of the Bengals. Seven after five on ESPN 1530. We're at the Moorline Lager House, downtown Cincinnati. Uh, we are here till 6 o'clock. As uh, folks start filing in for the uh, Reds game tonight, 6.40 first pitch, Reds and uh, Mariners from uh, GABP. Connor Phillips, uh, the latest uh, Reds prospect to, uh, to get a promotion. Obviously, the, uh, the starting pitching has been just absolutely ravaged by injury and uh, so much more. Uh, and so looking forward to, uh, to watching him tonight and seeing if the Reds can take a step toward the, uh, the postseason. Uh, the Bengals, and I, I said this, and, you know, last year's dynamic was different. We, we spent a lot of time during the offseason and in the run-up to the season kind of fending off the idea that the Bengals weren't quite among the NFL elite. We did this nonstop to, to the point of almost exhaustion where somebody on some show somewhere would say, well, the Bengals were, were fluky AFC champions or – they got lucky, or God, you know what, in the playoffs, a lot of things go their way. And I'm usually the first to acknowledge the role of luck in, in any team's success, whether it just be within a game or over the course of a season even longer. But there was a legitimate question about, okay, can the things that go, went right in 2021, can they go right again? Is this team ready to be even better? Uh, and even though they didn't get back to the Super Bowl, I think at the very least the season that they had, it validated what they did in 2021 and I think got rid of the questions about whether or not they belong in the conversation among the NFL's elite. Uh, Paul Daner joined us in the first hour and in his projection for the season, picked the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. And that sounds awesome and you may agree, you may disagree. I think the the overarching point for me is you can make a case. You, 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 can, you can make a case for the Bengals to, to win the title. Now, you're going to have to have some things go your way. Who knows who you're going to play or where you're going to play in the playoffs, and I think it goes without saying. Before that, you have to navigate the AFC North, which I believe is the best division in football. You've got to get through the first-place schedule. You, you've got to have, to a degree in the regular season at least, some of the same injury luck that goes your way. You've got to be better in close games. Um, but they're in the conversation. And, th- and that to me is, is you can make a case with the quarterback and the continuity of the coaching staff and the roster that they're among the NFL's elite. Now, somebody might believe, well, I think the, the Chiefs are a little bit better. I think the Jags have a cakewalk of a division and they might get the one seed because they're going to dominate the AFC South, and and you know teams are going to have to go there. 
But I think as opposed to a year ago when there was some skepticism about whether or not the Bengals were among the NFL's best, now there's not. I think even if you're not a total believer in them as the uh, the likely champion, you can't talk about the teams that have the best chances of playing in the Super Bowl and winning it without mentioning the Bengals. And so one of the things that's going to be interesting to me is to see how the team handles that and and also like how we as a city handle that. I remember in 2004 uh, going to a, a Cubs game in Chicago. Now, the year before the Cubs get this close to going to the World Series, there's the Bartman game. They lose game seven. But there was still an incredible amount of excitement for the season. And the expectations were massive. This was going to be the year. And I remember early in the season, it's the only time I've ever gone to a game at Wrigley Field in April, where typically it's, it's pretty cold. About two weeks into the season, the Reds played a weekend series there. Uh, and I remember it, 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 was, it was a wraparound. And, and maybe there was a game on Thursday that got rained out. But we went, we went to games on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. This is in April. And, like, the ninth, 10th, and 11th game of the season, that early. And getting there on Friday, Reds play the Cubs. The Cubs win, I'll never forget, 11 to 10. And uh, the atmosphere around the game and before the game, it was, this is their year. Saturday and Sunday, the Reds win. On Sunday, the Reds win 11 to 10. And in 10 innings, back when they played real baseball rules in the extra innings. And I'll never forget, again, this is in April. I'll never forget in the ballpark and around the ballpark how those losses were reacted to. Now, logically, you're like, these are baseball games in April. They're not worth losing your mind over. But when the, the, the expectation is as massive as they were that year for that team, setbacks, speed bumps, losses are meant as if the sky is falling. Kind of curious from a public perspective this season. Is that going to be the case? As much as I would love to tell you that I think this team can go 17-0, and uh, chances are they probably won't. Also, how does this team handle outside expectation? Now, I tend to think that they're really so well-wired and so almost ignorant of Cincinnati sports history that it's, it's not a concern. They're going to be fine. Nobody's worried about uh, any noise from the outside getting into the, the, the heart of the locker room or anything like that. But for a team that has handled success, I think, very well, for a team that has really ha- held, uh, done a good job of handling its failures, I think it's going to be interesting this season to see how they collectively and, to a degree, individually handle the weight of massive expectations. Where I-, I hate the term Super Bowl or bust because that suggests that if they don't win, they're going to blow things up, and that's not going to be the case. But I think there is a sense of, if not this year, then when? If it doesn't happen now, then when's it going to happen, especially as the dynamic of the team changes when Joe hopefully eventually signs his deal? I think that's a storyline that's maybe a little bit less scientific 
uh, and a, a little bit less statistically driven than anything, but I think it matters. How does this – and by the way, they've handled larger expectations that have come with their recent success really well, but I don't think it's ever been that championship or else. I don't think there's ever been a sense of everything building toward this moment the way it feels like everything is built over the last two years toward 2023. 26 minutes away from uh, 6 o'clock, 513-749-1530 is our phone number. We're broadcasting today from the Amoraline Lager House, downtown Cincinnati. It's Moe's Happy Hour on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. No one covers the Bengals like ESPN 1530, Cincinnati Sports Station. Sports Update is a uh, service of Kelsey Chevrolet, home of lifetime powertrain protection and uh, guaranteed credit approval from their family to yours for life. KelseyChev.com. Reds and uh, Mariners tonight at GABP. Cincinnati sends Connor Phillips to the hill for his first big league start. 640 tonight's first pitch game is live. On 700 WLW, uh, your starting lineup this evening for Cincinnati uh, as they uh, tried to uh, clinch a season series win over Seattle. Season series meaning the uh, one series they have played. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Cincinnati will uh, have Jake Fraley DHing, TJ Friedel in center, Spencer Steer at second. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz is playing shortstop and batting fourth. Hunter Renfro in right field. Edwin Encarnacion. And I did it again. Christian Encarnacion. So that's $2 in the fine cup. Christian Encarnacion Strand is at first base batting sixth. Benson in left. Marte at third. Maley is catching again. Uh, 640 is tonight's first pitch. The game is live on 700 WLW. I didn't mention that uh, Bryce Miller, righty, is starting for uh, Seattle. Meanwhile, Reds did make some roster moves. It, uh, it wouldn't be a day if they didn't. Cincinnati selecting the uh, contract of righty Kevin Herget from AAA. They've added Lion Richardson to the taxi squad. Michael Marriott has been DFA'd, and Kevin Newman, dealing with that left oblique strain, has been sent to Louisville on a rehab assignment. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, Bengals getting set for Sunday's opener against the Cleveland Browns. Cincinnati has side end tight end Zach Gentry to the practice squad. He is a fifth-year player out of the University of Michigan, was originally a, a pick, uh, fifth-round pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2019, playing in 40 regular season games and catching 39 passes for 303 yards. He is six foot eight, 265 pounds before, and, and I, this, this stretch of three weeks or so where it has felt like on a daily basis – you're learning bad news, whether it's a player not being able to come back from injury like Nick Lodolo or a player having to go on the injured list like any number of guys to over the last few days it's been guys having to go on the COVID list to, uh, you know, the, the way they played in Arizona, uh, to the way they played in San Francisco. It's felt like there's been this avalanche of bad news that would make you believe the season is about to spiral out of control. And yet, they do keep just kind of hanging in there, man. And, you know, it would have been awesome if they could have won that game on Sunday and the the bullpen sort of blew up in the uh, eighth and ninth inning and, and, and a game that was there for the taking very quickly got out of hand. They bounce back and win yesterday. They bounce back and win a bullpen game. They bounce back and win a game that was started by TJ Anton, which... Uh, was so awesome to see him back on a big league mound. They've had to run out their uh, Carson Spires 
and they've they've had to give Lion Richardson and Brett Kennedy starts uh, during this stretch. It has felt like for a while there's a, a steady stream of guys that they've either had to use in games or have had to start in games that you have to very quickly and look up who they are. Michael Marriott hadn't pitched in a big league game since 2016. It was well documented afterward how he was a guy that was going to hang it up. He has pitched in Taiwan. He had been pitching in uh, some independent leagues this year, was about to hang it up. He gets the call from the Reds. We need arms at Louisville. And suddenly, in the thick of a pennant race, he's pitching and getting big outs against the Seattle Mariners yesterday. Uh, These things say a a lot of things about a lot of people. It certainly speaks to uh, some of the acumen demonstrated by people in the front office. You know I'm going to go down this route because I've decided to to drive the bus to make uh, David Bell National League Manager of the Year. I don't know of of a manager who has done a better job in the National League than David Bell. And I think what's happened over the last couple of weeks with all the different guys that they have lost is the manager going out and playing for those guys of course not but if you are going to attribute this team's ability to kind of just hang in there to intangible stuff like culture then you've got to start the conversation about that by talking about the guy in the in the manager's office i i i don't know I don't know that there's a manager who has done a better job in all of baseball but certainly the uh, the national league and look it's it, it, it feels like they're walking a tightrope, and at times it feels like their their playoff chances are hanging by a thread. It felt that way in San Francisco last week, and Hunter Green pitches well enough to buy some time for the offense, and they come back. It kind of felt that way on Friday night after they lost the first game of the doubleheader. They come back and get the walk-off victory on the Marte hit. Maybe even to a degree felt that way on Sunday night after they lose the game 15-7, to and a good hot Seattle team is coming to town. But the schedule over the next few weeks is just forgiving enough that you start to do the math and you go, can 84 wins get them to the playoffs? Is 84 going to be enough to to beat out Arizona and San Francisco and Miami? And the more I think about it, the more the answer is yes. To do that, this team's got to go 12 and 10. And you can't think they're going to get any less healthy you do have to think they'll start to get some guys back. Obviously, the dudes on the COVID list have seven days. But they've hung in there. The, the last five weeks, whether it be what they didn't do at the trade deadline or the bad news they've gotten about players who can't come back or Hunter Green, the savior, coming off the injured list and having a couple of bad starts, they've had a lot of stuff thrown at them, and yet here they are. Labor Day weekend has come and gone. We're now into September. There's less than a month to go. And they're still standing. I frankly think that's pretty awesome. It is uh, 13 minutes away from uh, 6 o'clock. We're at the Amoraline Lager House, downtown Cincinnati, on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. All right. It's uh, 7 away from uh, 6 o'clock ESPN 1530. We uh, are here at the Amoraline Lager House. We'll be here for uh, another couple of minutes. Tomorrow on the show, former uh, NFL star, Pro Bowl player Sean Merriman will be with us to uh, talk about the Bengals. Uh, we have a, a Zach Taylor press conference. We have a, a Joe Burrow press conference. We'll have all of those things for you. And uh, Richard Skinner joins us. We start doing our stuff we do all season long tomorrow. So uh, looking forward to that. 
and uh, looking forward to being back here next Tuesday. Uh, if uh, you're in the car, uh, come to the ballpark tonight, Moreline Lager House. Uh, these guys are open for dinner, obviously. They host us every single Tuesday from uh, 3 until 6. We cannot wait to, uh, to be back. And, uh, and don't forget, uh, Bengals games, Bengal game on Sunday, looking for a place to watch. Whenever you're downtown, Moreline Lager House, make it one of your uh, go-to spots. They certainly roll out the red carpet for us. Uh, don't forget, Tony and Austin have Cincy 360 tomorrow at noon. And remember, the uh, 5 o'clock happy hour, a service of neutral vodka seltzer, now served in orange, perfect for football season. My thanks to uh, Mike Mills for producing on site and to uh, Taryn Bland for uh, getting it done back in Kenwood. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 3.05. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. This is ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. Hey, it's Mo Egger. The college basketball season is heating up, and there's no better place to watch every game than Long Neck Sports Grill. There are 4K TVs all over the place at each Long Neck's location, and at Long Neck's, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And I say this often, if you haven't tried Long Neck's wings, what are you waiting for? No matter who your team is, you'll be able to watch them at Long Neck's. Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Long Neck Sports Grill. This college basketball season, stay late, come often.